Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast. My name is Emma Mumford and I'm your host. I'm an award-winning blogger, YouTuber, life coach, badass entrepreneur, manifester, and author. My mission is to awaken and to inspire women to live their best lives now and to find their purpose in life. I do this through sharing the power of law of attraction and spirituality. I hope my podcast will inspire you to raise your game and to start living your best life today. Without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode. So thank you so much guys for joining me for another one of my Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast episode today. I am super, super excited to have the lovely Jen Clements with us today. So Jen, if you don't know, is a sobriety coach and an author who believes that life's too wondrous to be wasted. The co-creator of The Thrivalist, an eight-week online group sobriety coaching program, Jen empowers great area drinkers to quit drinking with ease and create lives so beautiful they don't want to escape anymore. Jen's broader goal is to help change the stigma associated with sobriety and to inspire others to see life without alcohol for what it really is, a powerful opportunity to step into our full potential and not a sacrifice. So Jen also was one of my seven authors that I mentored in 2019 of my first author intake with that guy's house. So I have worked with Jen over the last 10 months and you would have heard all of the other seven ladies interviews here on this podcast earlier on in the year as well. So I know this book well, and I absolutely love Jen's message so much. And I can relate to this so much with my own um, alcohol journey as well and giving up alcohol. So thank you so much, Jen, for being here today. Thanks, Emma. It's so great to be here. Such a pleasure to bring you on the podcast and talk about your powerful, powerful message. So before we talk all things sober and alcohol and all of the goodness that you're going to share with us today, I would love to know, first of all, when did you spiritually awaken? What's your story? Sure. So I would say I've been on a spiritual path since I was about 17 years old. That was when my brother was reading this book called... Um, Mind Power by John Kehoe and I remember him raving about it and I picked it up after he'd read it and it was my first introduction to manifestation and it just blew my mind to learn that I was capable of sort of co-creating my reality alongside the universe and that I'd actually been doing this all along just not knowing that I'd been doing it and so that really opened the door for me um, and throughout my 20s I was really interested in spirituality and consciousness and I would sort of do a bunch of stuff on that path. Like, you know, I was 
reading spiritual texts and into yoga and meditating and green juicing and living this sort of conscious lifestyle most of the time. But then I would also swing in the complete opposite direction. And on the weekends, I would binge drink, sometimes, you know, get blackout drunk, waste my days hungover um, and eating junk food and not exercising. And I just, you know, I had this real dichotomy between this sort of conscious lifestyle and then this really um, unconscious way of operating on the weekends. And I, I justified it at the time as like a balance thing. Like, you know, we need to have some vices and we need to not be so serious and strict and, you know, that kind of stuff all the time. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it was just a really strange, it was a really strange you know, path to be on with these two different sides. And in my late twenties, I had what would, you know, what I could call my most powerful spiritual experience, which was when I did ayahuasca, the sacred plant medicine. And I did it like with a shaman, you know, in the right set and setting. And it was just this incredible experience where it was almost as if a veil had been lifted from my perception. And I clearly saw the sort of interconnectedness between every being, everything. Um, and, you know, I saw us all very clearly as spiritual beings having this human experience. Um, and I also had a very powerful meeting with my spirit animal, which is this exquisite lion. Um, and my reality really changed after that, like the lens through which I viewed life fundamentally changed after doing ayahuasca. And it was soon after that ayahuasca trip that I fell pregnant with my first child. And I was on this very sort of conscious path, especially after the ayahuasca. And I really wanted this conscious, calm home birth to bring this baby earthside in the most gentle manner. And just, I had this real dream of what I wanted the birth to look like. And I was at that stage with my manifesting journey that I didn't want to entertain like any negative thoughts. So everything was just focused on the positive and this is what's going to happen. And I didn't even allow myself to prepare for the possibility that it might not go as I intended. I didn't look into any of the like possible interventions that can happen when things go wrong with birth. Um, I just didn't let that sort of into my reality at all. And I got knocked sideways with the birth experience because I had massive complications and I ended up having a very interventionist hospital birth. And it was incredibly traumatic for me. Um, and I had this kind of clear line in the sand of my life between sort of life before that birth experience and then life after. And, you know, I went from being this really bubbly, happy, positive person to being incredibly depressed suffering from panic attacks. I was having a lot of flashbacks and nightmares and things and eventually got diagnosed with PTSD. Um, and so like my whole world just really shifted. And it was during this time after the traumatic birth that my relationship with alcohol changed and that also my connection to my spiritual essence started to suffer. So I went from feeling very spiritually connected prior to the birth to and, and drinking socially at that time um, to then being very disconnected from my spiritual essence and self-medicating with alcohol. And it became this vicious cycle. Like the more I drank, the more disconnected I became. And I was on, you know, I was on a healing journey after that, you know, my whole focus shifted to, I need to heal from this birth trauma because I can't, you know, I can't live like this. I was just, you know, in a really dark space. And so I was trying 
everything. I was throwing everything at this problem. You know, I was doing therapy weekly. I um, engaged an EFT tapping coach to teach me how to like tap out the trauma. I was doing hypnosis. I was going for acupuncture. I was doing yoga. I was meditating, even tried CrossFit. Like I tried everything that I could think of to try and work through the, the trauma and, and heal from it. Um, and nothing really seemed to be shifting the pain. And I had this evening ritual of drinking wine. Um, and that was my sort of escape from my own mental health problems, I guess. And I thought that that was actually helping me at the time. You know, I was like, this is the only thing that brings me some relief. But what I realized over time as my drinking sort of started to increase was that my anxiety and my depression were worsening over time. They weren't getting better. And I started to wonder, like, is alcohol contributing to the problem rather than alleviating it? So, you know, I went on this path of then trying to cut down my alcohol intake, trying to drink more moderately. And I just found it really, really difficult. I couldn't understand why I couldn't drink normally anymore. You know, I couldn't just have one glass of wine and it started to really freak me out. And I couldn't understand it because in other areas of my life, I had so much willpower, you know, and I was doing really well and achieving lots of things. But, you know, just this alcohol thing started to become a big issue for me. And intuitively, I realized after, you know, trying moderation for quite a long time, and it not working, that I actually needed to quit rather than to, you know, try to moderate. And I think it was when I set that intention that I actually wanted to quit, that the universe started responding to me and helping me. And, you know, one thing led to another where a person suggested that I see a particular acupuncturist. And I went to go and see this guy and I was sitting in the waiting room filling out the new patient form and normally I would lie about how much I was drinking on any medical form um but for some reason I was like okay I'm going to be honest I really want to get to the bottom of this and then the acupuncturist turned out to be an old timer in AA he had 25 plus years sobriety under his belt and he opened up to me about his own struggles with alcohol and so we developed this relationship around you know the struggle with alcohol that then led me into my sobriety journey and it's been this journey in sobriety that has allowed me to reconnect with my spiritual essence and go on a path of sort of deep personal development and spiritual growth and essentially you know finding my way back to myself which has been yeah it's been it's been a it's been a tough journey but it's been an absolutely wonderful one and it's such an interesting story that you know you've taken us along there of so many different parts of your journey kind of led you to this discovery that just alcohol was not working for you anymore and that you had to kind of make this change as such. So you've, you've spoken about the moment you decided to quit. So what methods did work and didn't work for you? Yeah, sure. So in terms of what, I'll start with what didn't work because I started in AA based on the sort of meeting with that acupuncturist and him being in AA, I'd always thought, you know, like I would never set foot in an AA meeting because in my mind, that was like where you go when you are homeless, drinking out of a paper bag under a bridge, you know? Um, but what I realized at that stage was like, I didn't know where to go to get help. There was, didn't seem to be an effective solution for a gray area drinker like me. And I say gray area drinker because, you know, everything else in my life was very much, um, 
it didn't look like I had a drinking problem. You know, I still had a great job, was working as a lawyer, never missed a day of work. You know, my relationship with my husband was good. I was a good mom. Um, you know, there were all these things that my life looked very normal and there were no signs of a kind of drinking problem from the outside. So I didn't think that I fitted into AA. But at the encouragement of this acupuncturist, I decided to try a meeting. And I really felt so relieved to find myself amongst a group of people that understood what I was going through. And I felt very accepted and very welcomed. And, you know, I learned a lot in AA. I've got so much respect for the program. And the, the people are some of the most beautiful people you'll ever meet in your life. But for me, it wasn't the right place. And I knew that pretty, you know, soon after I started attending meetings, there was just, you know, a bunch of things that didn't resonate with me. But at the same time, I was really enjoying the connection and you know the the learning opportunity of being in AA so I was sober for six months in AA initially um, and during that time I got a taste of sobriety like my mental health improved dramatically to the point where I came off all medication um, for for you know like anxiety and depression all that kind of stuff which was a huge milestone for me um, but at the same time I wasn't enjoying being sober I was like yes my mental health is improving this is awesome but I still desire alcohol. I really struggle to be out with people drinking, um, you know, and I still felt very sort of ashamed of the fact that I was sober and it just, you know, I wasn't in a empowered space in my sobriety. And because I think my, I felt that my story was kind of like child's play in comparison to a lot of the other members and the stories that I heard in the rooms, I started to compare myself and think maybe I didn't need to be here. Maybe I didn't actually need um, full-blown abstinence, you know, for the rest of my life. Maybe I didn't try hard enough to moderate, you know, the kind of madness that goes on in the mind of a, of a problematic drinker, you know, kind of justifying your way back to, to drinking again. And so after six months of working very hard in the, in the program of AA, like I got a sponsor, I was doing all the step work, you know, it's not like I just attended a few meetings. I went to 105 meetings in six months, you know, um, I, I drank again. So that didn't work for me. And so I had about a three month period of drinking again, trying to prove to myself that I could or couldn't moderate. It was sort of an experiment that I entered into with myself saying, if I can moderate, great, I'll carry on drinking. You know, maybe I've done enough healing work now. I always thought to myself, if I can just get the trauma right, you know, then I can drink moderately. But that wasn't my experience. So in those three months where I was drinking again, you know, my my mental health took a dive in uncanny proportion to the increase in my alcohol intake. You know, I went back to my old ways. Um, and so then I decided, look, I actually do want sobriety because I want good mental health and I want that freedom from alcohol, but I can't do it in the way that AA was sort of offering me. And so I just went on this huge research binge because my background is as a lawyer um, I'd done a lot of re legal research projects and I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tackle this as a project, as a research project. I'm going to look at all the different models of recovery. I'm going to learn about what alcohol is, what addiction is, you know, um, all the different tools and techniques from different psychology resources, like anything I can get my hands on that might help me, I'm going to dive into. And that's what I did. And so I spent a lot of time and a lot of the time while I was still drinking, trying to figure out how I was going to quit, you know, and how I was going to do it in a way that was going to empower me. And so 
that's when I came across the, the, the fact that you can actually remove your desire to drink through deconditioning your subconscious mind. I found a book called This Naked Mind by Annie Grace, and there's a number of others similar to her book, which do the same thing. And they basically help you to remove your desire to drink by showing you that there is no benefit to drinking alcohol whatsoever. And when you don't see any benefit to something, you don't desire it. Therefore you don't crave it. And it's unreal that you can read a book um, that takes every single untrue subconscious belief that you hold about alcohol, for example, like I need alcohol to socialize and it will then show you the clarity around that untrue belief and how you actually really don't need alcohol to socialize. And then you can turn that untrue belief around and all of a sudden you don't need alcohol to socialize because you've changed your subconscious mind about it. It's a complete game changer. So that was a massive, massive first step for me in freeing myself from alcohol because I removed the desire to drink through some other people's really, really powerful work. Um, and then I learned about things like the importance of um, my why for quitting, all the reasons that I was quitting, because there's something called fading effect bias, which happens in, you know, somebody who quits alcohol. It's like our brain forgets positive, um, I forget, sorry, our brain forgets negative emotions associated with experiences faster than positive ones. So when you think about quitting alcohol and then you have, you know, a few days or a few weeks of not drinking, you look back and you just remember the good times about the drinking. You actually, you know, your brain sort of filters out that it was bad enough to get you to the point of wanting to quit. And then you just remember how nice it was and how fun it was and this and this and this. When actually that's, you know, it's BS a lot of the time. And when you look at your reasons for quitting and your why, and you write it down in a really emotive sort of letter to your future self, you can cut through that fading effect bias. So that for me was a very empowering and helpful step as well. Um, and then really diving into the neuroscience of addiction and understanding the development of um, neural pathways in our brain that support drinking in a certain way. So for example, with me, having drunk excessively over time um, and repeating that behavior night after night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com after night after night 
that's how my brain sees drinking now, you know, and now that that neural pathway is there, I can't go to having one glass of wine a night. My brain doesn't drink like that, you know, and that really helped me understand why I can't moderate and why I'll never be able to moderate because once those neural pathways are there, they don't go away. Um, it's like learning to drive a car. Once you know that skill, you've got those neural pathways embedded in your brain that support driving. You can not drive for 20 years and then you can get back behind a wheel and you can drive again without an issue, you know? So things like that were very, very powerful learning experiences for me. And then of course, there were lots of different tools that I pulled from different models of recovery, um, which I used to handle cravings, you know, when they would arise. And the overarching thing behind healing from any addiction that I, you know, I found was addressing root causes, obviously, beneath the drinking. Like, why are you drinking in the first place? You know, what are you needing to address for me? Mainly trauma. Um, and so it's, it's putting in the hard work to address those, those causes. And it's also learning how to manage our emotions because alcohol is a mood altering substance. And if you don't need to change the way that you feel, you don't need to drink. So you need to manage your feelings. That's a huge, huge, huge thing when it comes to quitting that I found. Um, and then finally, it's like, I learned that you can't just stop drinking and then keep everything else in your life the same. You have to make a huge effort to change your habits, your routines, your rituals to support becoming the person that you want to be, the happy, healthy non-drinker that you're striving to be. Because, you know, if you simply quit drinking and keep everything else the same, you're just setting yourself up for relapse, you know? So it was a combination of a whole bunch of different things, but basically AA didn't work and doing a big research binge and um, cherry picking the things that I thought would work for me and then implementing in my life is what eventually worked for me. Amazing. And all of those tips are so, you know, great. And it's, you know, ones that I can even relate to myself in terms of when I decided to give up alcohol two years ago. And obviously my journey was very different to yours. I wasn't reliant on it as such, but I could see myself how I was sabotaging when I did drink and that I used alcohol as this kind of excuse to suppress feelings, to suppress trauma, to suppress that I wasn't happy in life. Um, and in the end, it took my body literally rejecting alcohol for me to think, you can't do this anymore. You can't keep going along this path. It's not a case of moderation. It's not a case of wandering every now and again. Like it's gone past that now. My body was physically like, no, not doing this. You can't, you know, I'm not accepting this sort of thing. So my body was that wake up call as such of, I couldn't continue along that journey. And I think so many people have, you know, different experiences with when they have that pinnacle moment of, I want to quit. And I think there's, you know, a lot of shame and weirdness around wanting to be alcohol free. And I've definitely experienced that myself when, you know, someone offers me a drink or I say, oh, I'm sober, I don't drink or I'm alcohol free. People either think that I've been, you know, addicted or that something really bad's happened. So do you feel there is some shame and weirdness around being alcohol free still? And, and what were your experiences when you decided to quit? Yeah, so... I definitely think there is still some shame and weirdness around being alcohol free because of the prevalence of alcohol in our society globally. Um, our world really is obsessed with alcohol and it's the only drug that we have to justify not taking, which is quite bizarre when you think about it. Um, so 
for many people, because when you're alcohol free, you're generally, you know, the odd one out, you're generally in the minority. I do believe there's still a lot of shame and weirdness around that, but it is slowly shifting. You know, the alcohol free movement is growing in popularity and not drinking is becoming more normalized um, with every sort of, you know, sober influencer that pops up on Instagram, every sober meetup or mindful drinking festival. There's all these things that are happening which are shining a light on sort of a new way of looking at alcohol and questioning the, um, the sort of, I want to say like the, how it's infiltrated our society. You know, it's become so infiltrated that it's, it's almost like not questioned. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just always been there. And so no one actually thinks this is a dangerous, addictive drug um, because everybody does it and it's legal, you know, mm-hmm. but it's almost, you know, it's been called the new cigarette because it's very similar when you look at the history um, of the sort of big tobacco industry and how cigarettes were, you know, linked to cancer back in the fifties. It took a long time for the public to understand the real risks behind that, um, behind, behind smoking because big tobacco kept the public very confused with like conflicting studies and all this kind of stuff. And the similar thing is happening with alcohol now. It's only very recently that alcohol has this, um, you know, irrefutable link to seven different kinds of cancer and that, you know, people are starting to realize like studies are coming out showing there's no safe level of drinking whatsoever when it comes to alcohol. Not to say that one drink is going to kill you, but if you drink one drink a night, that has knock-on effects for your body that aren't beneficial, you know, and people are starting to wake up to this. So I think it is slowly changing in terms of my experience. When I decided to quit, my decision was met with a lot of resistance. Thankfully, not my, not by my husband, like he supported me a hundred percent, which made a huge difference. Cause it's always nice to have like your partner in your corner when it comes to this. Um, but many, many of my friends and my family could not understand why I would quit alcohol. As I said previously, you know, I didn't have any outward signs of a drinking problem. So people, couldn't really understand why I would choose. Like everybody thought I was being very extreme and they were like, why don't you just cut down a bit? You know, why don't you just rein it in? And I'm like, I've been trying and it's not working for me. Um, but people don't really, I don't know, they couldn't get it. And especially when I joined AA, it was like, I had actually kept it quiet for quite a while because of the reactions that I was getting. When I told people I joined AA, it was like I had joined a cult and they were just thinking that I was going into this crazy program you know they were like what are you doing um so it was tough because you know when you're on this path of sobriety and you're putting in a lot of work into your sobriety you feel really proud of yourself when you make progress and you meet a milestone like your first 30 days you know and you're just so excited but like you can't really share it with people because a lot of people don't get it you know and and it can really it can hurt you know when you try explain yourself to people and you walk away feeling really misunderstood and judged. It's like, there's a lot of stigma and shame attached to having a drinking problem specifically, you know? Um, It's like people blame the person, not the substance, which is mad because like, you know, if somebody becomes a heroin addict, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. People like think that if you use heroin regularly, you're going to become addicted, but they don't put that same logic onto alcohol, you know? Um, So yeah, it was, it was a tricky path, but over time I just realized this was something I knew in my heart was right for me. And sometimes we have to step away from the crowd and not care about other people's opinions to honor what's true for us and what's right for us, you know? So 
others didn't understand a lot in my life and that's okay because it wasn't about them at the end of the day you know Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's so true that you've got to do what's right for you and this leads me on beautifully to my next question because I get asked this all the time of did I quit alcohol because it wasn't spiritual enough it can you drink alcohol and be spiritual and I think this is such a a really interesting conversation because I know really amazing, you know, channels and people who are super aligned who do drink. And equally, Mm. I know people who are super aligned and spiritual who also don't drink. So I, I don't personally feel there is a right answer to that. I think it's what's best for the, for the individual as such. But in your opinion, do you feel alcohol affects our spirituality? And what would you say to someone who doesn't know what the best decision is here? Yeah, it's so interesting because like you've said, I've met a number of sober people who've quit drinking specifically because it hinders their spiritual practices and path, like not because they had a drinking problem. They were just, you know, for example, a psychic or whatever, and they just felt like it was really sort of muddying their conscious waters. And I think spiritual work requires um, a high vibrational state for the practitioner, right? And alcohol lowers our vibration. That's been my um, understanding from research. And it doesn't mean that all light workers or spiritual practitioners are teetotalers, but I do think that there is a general acceptance amongst light workers that, you know, they don't drink at least 24 hours before doing readings or healings or other kind of spiritual work because of the fact that there is an impact from the alcohol on their, on their vibration. Um, And from my own personal experience, I do believe that alcohol disconnects us from our spiritual nature. That was my direct experience and something that I heard over and over and over again in the rooms of AA, people would talk about how they lost themselves during addiction, you know, and they became disconnected from who they really are. And, you know, I think for someone who's on a spiritual path and doesn't know what the best decision is for themselves in relation to alcohol, as you say, I think it's such a personal thing. I wouldn't say that everybody who's on a spiritual path needs to quit drinking. I don't think alcohol's the enemy, um, but I would just encourage people to question the role of alcohol in their lives and to ask themselves things like, is alcohol helping me to show up as the best version of myself? Is alcohol getting in the way of me achieving my goals and my dreams? And, you know, would my life be better if I didn't drink at all, you know? And Mm. I think the other thing I would say is, you don't have to commit to quitting alcohol forever. So if somebody's sort of intrigued by sobriety, take it for a test drive, like do an alcohol-free challenge or experiment and commit to quitting for 30, 60 or 90 days, whatever feels good. And if life's not better sober, you know, you can see how it's affecting your spiritual path. If it's not better, you can always go back to drinking, you know, so there's really no risk there. Definitely. And I totally agree with you. And for me personally, it definitely was hindering my, you know, my spirituality. It would lower my vibration. And even just by having one drink, like I was never a heavy drinker ever. And even just one drink in the end was just too much. And I would wake up and feel like I had a week's worth of clearing to do, raising my (laughs) vibration. And it was honestly the most bizarrest thing ever because it was almost like one day my energy and my body was just like you're not doing this anymore like look how much it's stopping you from doing your work and showing up 
even with one drink. So, you know, that's just my personal experience. Everyone will be different. But definitely for me, I think it was a health choice and also a spiritual choice as well to be like, well, actually, what was if you did just cut it out and then see how you felt then? And obviously two, yeah, just over two years ago now, I, I've never had a drink since. And I honestly don't want one again because I see the benefits now and that I don't need that. And for me, it was a very social thing. So for me now, I just find all these incredible mocktails and all these, you know, amazing alcohol-free alternatives. And I'm not missing out one bit. So, you know, like Jen said, it really is a personal choice, but we have to look at the practicalities of how we feel after we drink. And especially if, like Jen said, you're a psychic or you're a practitioner, you're doing Reiki or any kind of energy work as such, you have to look at how that is, you know, impacting your practice as such and impacting yourself equally as well. So amazing tips there. Thank you, Jen. So my last question to you today then is what is one piece of life advice that you would like to leave my listeners with? Sure. So I think my one piece of advice would just be to honor your intuition. So if you intuitively feel like alcohol isn't serving you, don't be ashamed of wanting more for for yourself in your life. Don't be ashamed of stepping away from the crowd and doing something different just because everyone else is drinking doesn't mean that it's right for you. So just listen to yourself. And yeah, that would be my, my final piece of advice. I love that. Short but sweet, but so, so <laughs> true. Definitely. Well, let's talk about your new book then, Jen. So I have read Jen's book, obviously, as I helped her to write it over a 10 month period last year. And it honestly, even as someone who has already quit alcohol, it, and I was saying to Jen throughout the process, like, I'm just learning so much about this and so many things that I just didn't even comprehend or know existed or was a thing. So Jen's book is fantastic. I think for any sort of stage, you know, obviously it's focused at people who are wanting to quit alcohol and change their relationship as such, but I'll let you explain your book because you'll explain it so much better than I, but it's called Quit While You're Ahead. And what can we expect within the book? Sure. Thank you so much for your support, Emma. It's been for anybody listening. If you have an opportunity to apply for an author mentorship with Emma, do it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, the book is basically, it's called Quit While You're Ahead. And the reason for that title is because it's aimed at people who, you know, it's trying to encourage you that you don't have to hit a rock bottom to quit drinking alcohol. As I said, you know, it's something that if it's not working for you, like alcohol doesn't, you don't have to have a drinking problem for alcohol to have become a problem for you, you know? So I feel like a lot more people are starting to question the, the role of alcohol in their lives. And if you find that it's not working for you, this is a guide, basically the guide that I wish I had found at the beginning of my journey. Um, and it just holds your hand. It's a very practical guide with lots of um, exercises that you can work through to help decondition yourself from all the untrue subconscious beliefs about alcohol and then to go through all the tools and techniques that I used on myself to free myself from alcohol and become empowered in my sobriety and to really own your sobriety so that you come out with, you know, not just um, a shiny alcohol-free life, but actually a much better, um, richer, fuller existence and yeah, it's just, um, I'm very proud of it, obviously, because it's been a big labor of love. Um, and I hope that it, I hope that it serves anybody who ends up reading it. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what you can expect, I think. Brilliant. And it's up for pre-order now. So where can people get it? 
So they can get it at um, my website, jenclements.com.au. And otherwise they can find me on Instagram at I am Jen Clements and Facebook at I am Jen Clements as well. Awesome. And the book will be available worldwide as well through Amazon and any online bookstore that sells books. So you can just type, go and have a look at Jen's obviously website to find it, or you can find it on any of your favorite bookstores as well. So thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. It's been such a pleasure for you to share your pearls of wisdom with us today and to obviously learn more about obviously sobriety and your experiences. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Emma. I've loved chatting to you today. Thank you. So thank you so much for joining me for another one of my podcast episodes today. I really hope you've enjoyed Jen and I's conversation. As always, you can find a clickable link to Jen's work down below in the description. And of course, if you want to learn anything more about myself, my coaching or anything else that I have to offer, like my free content and videos, then you can find it all over on emmamumford.co.uk. So thank you so much guys for listening. I appreciate all your views and listens. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new here because I would love, love to see you again soon. And don't forget you can join my free Law of Attraction support group over on Facebook where you can join myself and other like-minded souls where we talk all things Law of Attraction and spirituality. So I hope you have a great week, whatever you're up to, and I'll see you all in my next podcast episode, which will be next week. Lots of love, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.